0: The stars tonight? all right everybody well we got josh dawes in the house today uh, super excited to to just get to chat with this guy i've seen him from afar on twitter he's you know um It's when you see a reasonable, biblically informed person on Twitter, it's like a voice crying out in the desert. And so (laughs) um, they they, they tend to stand out. And he's he's one of those guys. Um, So speaking into a lot of the stuff we've been talking about lately. And and I think he brings a lot of wisdom and and depth and experience and just, you know, clear thinking into some of these issues that are getting muddied and and difficult to wade through right now. So uh, let me bring Josh in real quick. Uh, Thanks for coming on the podcast, Josh.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Seth.
0: Yeah, man. So I, I just want to jump right in um, with you. Um, there's There's been a couple things that have been stirring up the the, the Twitter fires lately. Uh, we talked a little bit about one of them last week on here with one of Stephen Wolf's tweets and just all the back and forth with Christian nationalism and racism and all that kind of stuff. But one, one of the factors that, that's been kind of emerging this week as well is, is the topic of cultural Christianity. And, um, you know, I, I remember being maybe, I don't know, maybe in my late teens, early twenties and, and saying things like, you know, just, just I look you look back on yourself sometimes and you cringe. I'll probably look back on Mm -hmm. this moment and cringe, but I, I I remember saying just kind of naively, man, I hate cultural Christianity. It's just, you know, it's blah, blah. blah." And, and you kind of say those things and you don't realize, what it would really be like without those, some of those cultural norms being informed by Christianity you just kind of see the hypocrisy and the stuff like that and you and you throw it all but you know lately I've been seeing that among people that I think should know better they're they're older they have <laughs> many of them they understand church history they they have theological degrees but there's a conversation going on right now in the Twitter world on whether or not cultural Christianity is good or bad and and I think some of it's been silly to me to be honest to see some of the some of the people's thoughts and responses on that but um, could you just tell us a little bit about that? Like, what is that controversy and, and how would you weigh in on that subject?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, I think it, it, like you said, it, I think it's really kind of stemming from uh, cultural Christian, uh, sorry, Christian nationalism and that discussion. Um, I think it, it, it's kind of as, you know, different. Um, I don't know. I tribes i guess um different you know people that see things different differently are trying to figure out what do we do with this christian nationalism thing because it seems to be coming a thing and so i think as as that that kind of topic um starts to get unpacked um we're seeing kind of like uh these miniature uh little squabbles over like different elements of that and i think that the latest one is um this idea of cultural christianity and whether or not um you know that's actually a good thing is that hinder the gospel does that help the gospel um so a lot of that's being hashed out um with you know the kind of uh, Christian nationalist side um you know I myself I I, I understand Neil Shinvis hesitation with that term so I, I you know so I'm I'm not I don't think I'm quite ready to say I'm a Christian nationalist um but my sympathies are definitely in that camp, I think that that you know Christians largely have kind of lost the will to exert political power on behalf of our neighbors and a you know um, society informed by Christian values. Um, I think we've bought into a lot of the kind of secular, um, liberal, kind of a neutral political space, um, thinking that it's possible we can just kind of live and let live and. You know, we won't exert our will if the other side agrees to not exert their will. And it's just we're reaching a point where it's becoming clear that that's not um, that's not really tenable, that there's there's always going to be a moral framework um, behind it. And so, you know, a lot of, you know, as this stuff is being unpacked, I think, you know, the kind of Christian nationalist side is is seeing it's kind of rethinking a lot of those assumptions, like you mentioned, of cultural Christianity um, and just thinking, no, that actually is a lot better than what we've got now. Uh, where we seem to be headed, you know, a culture that you know is spreading, you know, trans ideology and just you know the culture of death with abortion, and it's just you know a a culture where you know Christian music plays in the stores you shop at, and you know there are Bible verses you know on the you know the uh, like in and out on the on the you know the soda cup you know it, it it that's better than the the pride flags everywhere and and so I think there's a lot of rethinking that and then on the other the side that is kind of um anti uh Christian nationalists is i think looking at it uh from the point of view that cultural Christianity makes it more difficult to spread the gospel that if you have a you know a bunch of people who think they're Christians already, then it is um you know, it's, it's hard to reach them because they don't think they need anything. They don't recognize, um, you know, uh, and so the, I think the idea is that, you know, if you're dealing with like pagans, then you have some place to, you know, lead them to, instead of like trying to convince someone that they're not what they think they are. And that's kind of, that's kind of where I see the lay of the land right now. Yeah.
0: That's, 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 that's helpful. So I think you're saying. In essence, the cultural Christianity um, discussion right now is kind of a sub point to this larger debate on on theology and the state and all that kind of stuff. Um, But it has been interesting because you do think, you know, I think the part of that impulse I had as a young person, um, you know, when you watch a movie, sometimes – and they they love, you know, to do this in movies anyways, but but one of the worst characters is always the one who's the religious person who's the most hypocritical. <laughs> uh-huh. And I think people have like had those experiences in some of the the cultural Christianity elements and that's where they're like, Man, that's the worst kind of gross thing that you can think of. But I think what you're saying is like when you when you think of culture at a deeper level like religion externalized as it sometimes defined Mm -hmm. um i think that people don't know i don't know it just seems like a surface analysis to say you know i don't like the hypocrisy that sometimes comes with it and that kind of gross element without realizing man like what would it have really been like to live in ancient aztec (laughs) culture you know with sacrifices and and in tribal war and stuff like that and um, we don't take into account the the kind of norms that that are set up by um, the creational norms we find in, in Genesis and Old Testament law and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, one of and my so, friends. You know, this, yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, one of my friends this week um, said that uh, criticizing cultural Christianity is a luxury belief. It's yeah. like one of those things that we're in it. We've experienced the blessings of it. It's, it's kind of easy to you know kind of nitpick and you know find uh find faults with it but the alternative is pretty dark and um yeah you know we're we're, we're fortunate um to have grown up in that space um right. i but i was i was like you i you know i for the longest i'm a pastor's kid, so i've mm. seen you know i grew yeah, up yeah. <laughs> with tons of people in churches and that frustration pastors have you want to see your people growing you want to see them on fire for for jesus and you know wanting to share their faith and they just seem con- you know a lot of people seem content to just show up and think that yeah attending church makes them a christian and so there's this desire like to live you know to have an authentic you know strong community of believers who are all you know solidly you know on fire for jesus and we look at our churches sometimes and think ah these these you know nominal christians are just ruining everything and, um, you know, one thing, you know, in the kind of discussion as this is unfolded, um, I was reading in, uh, in Matthew and came across, uh, was reminded of the parable of the weeds, where mm. um, the, the wheat starts coming up and the enemy comes in and sows a bunch of weeds in with the wheat. And the, the workers go to the master and like, hey, do you want us to get this out, you know, to pluck up the weeds? And he tells him like, no, leave it at harvest. I'll sort them. It, it's just don't don't worry about that right now. At harvest, it'll all sort itself out. And so right. I think a lot of times in that desire to have you know a pure church that is, um, you know, it's just uh, true believers, um, we can become overzealous. And you know, really, I think a lot of the critiques of cultural Christianity can sometimes veer into like kind of rooting on the cultural decline to help purify our churches, which is yeah. kind of a weird place for Christians to be.
0: Yeah, I think you're right about that. We, we, I think we assume, um, you know, man, the worst things that get, the worst things get the better for the church. And, and it is I get, often the case, you know, that persecution you know it becomes the seedbed of, of church growth but i think i don't know if you said this the other day Josh or somebody was saying but but the church also grew even greatly under constantine mm-hmm. you know it was only under the 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 you know when the the romans were persecuting the church and and you also have you know you have areas like china where it is growing Although I think sometimes, from what I've heard from Oz Guinness, who grew up, I think, as a missionary uh, kid in China, he said sometimes we idealize that and and things are a lot rougher there than we think. But uh, even with, you know, he's I I, I I think I remember him saying once that there were many people that he was familiar with over there that were one— one like prayer, uh, one unanswered prayer away from falling from the faith. <laughs> and like there was, there was a lot going on in that church that, yeah. cause I think sometimes we just over idealize like, man, if that happened here it would be the greatest thing. But in you look at North Korea and it's like, man, that's another example of, uh, of how persecution there, I think has really made it difficult for the church to get off the ground. And I don't think we should be so um maybe Pollyannish about, about that idea. Yeah, Um,
1: well, uh, Paul, in one of the letters to, I think, Thessalonians, to the Thessalonians or Timothy, tells them to pray um, and to make it your ambition to live a quiet life, you know, you know, where the, you know, the implication where you can, you know, go about a normal life and share the faith and, and um, the gospel will spread that way. And mm. I think a lot of people look at that and like, see, there you go. Don't get involved in politics. Right. Well, you know, the, the state <laughs> brings order to society so that you can live, you know, that type of life. So right. I, I think, you know, we're kind of looking at that backwards and it's kind of, you know, the, the, God has given the state a role, um, the government a role to, you know, maintain order and to restrict evil and to promote the good. And I think that's really at the core of what, you know, the Christian nationalist side wants um, from state. We want, you know, the 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 state to be performing its God-given roles according to a Christian moral framework and not a pagan one.
0: Right, right. And I think that's an important distinction, like you said, a Christian, a pagan one, because I do think our default in America is to think if you just got rid of the the cultural Christianity, that we'd have this kind of nice, you know, everybody kind of gets natural law. And we sort of would all agree on the big things, but then we could just within that have good evangelism. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I don't think we understand that like Christ or chaos thing. Like, it, it, And that's the part that can be frustrating because you're like, man, if you don't understand that by now with the free fall that we are in culturally, like you may never get it because now it's like I think we should be waking up to the idea that the things we've taken for granted that that we think would still be there if we just got rid of cr- cultural Christianity, it, it wouldn't even. It would be. It's like a. It's like a dystopian novel, basically. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know if you saw this tweet today, but another voice I've you know been listening to lately, it's been helpful through some of these things, is uh, John Harris over over at um, Conversations That Matter. But uh, I think Megan Basham posted this on on Twitter earlier, and, and this was John. I guess his tweet went or something went viral on Facebook. and he Yeah, said, I saw that. Yeah, You saw that? Okay, yeah. He's saying some people have asked for a positive example of cultural Christianity, and he says, okay, here you go. I'm sitting in a coffee shop right now in Tennessee playing I'll Fly Away with Bible verses on the walls. Crosses are on display instead of pride flags. People are friendly. I didn't walk in expecting everyone to be born again. I didn't walk in thinking they must all be hypocrites, deceived into thinking they're Christians. How terrible. I live in New York where the coffee shops play raunchy music. People aren't as friendly and decor is sexualized. This is a breath of fresh air. And, um, I've actually experienced that before too, because my wife and I've done a lot of, a lot of traveling and we, you know, we used to kind of be like, man, I would love to live over here, overseas and there. And then, you know, all the stuff happened with COVID and we saw what happened to people that actually lived there. (laughs) And we're like, man, I'm thankful (laughs) that we still have a, uh, a constitution that, that somewhat functions. Um, but um, I do remember being in, in Paris and, and just feeling the kind of post-Christian culture weighing on me after a while. And we were on a, on a subway train and I heard like this group of like young people singing a Christian song. And it was like, oh, man, it just it was such a relief in that moment. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, I began to to kind of be aware of what John's saying. We moved to California. Kind of same thing. It was like, oh, man, I, there's a lot I took for granted that, that mm-hmm. now I'm thankful for. Any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, we, um, lived in Burbank, California for seven mm. and a half years, moved from Georgia, same sort of, you know, culture shock, um, right. <laughs> you know, went from, you know, kind of, um, remnants of, you know, still cultural Christianity and the you know Bible belt to like a place where, you know, it, you don't go to church. You, you just, you yeah. just don't, there's no cultural pressure, to have your, your family in church. Um, and you know, I, I admit at the time it was like, oh, this is, this is nice. I'm you know, (laughs) that means that the people I'm going to be going to church with are, they, they really take it seriously. It's the real deal. Yeah. Well, over, over time we saw many of those (laughs) people we went to church with follow the kind of social justice path to deconstruction. So it's like, yep, wait a minute. it, It doesn't, necessarily purify the church it doesn't mean there's not nominal christians in a you know a more um pagan culture and, uh, and i think that's what um you know i'm not sure you know your uh your views on you know soteriology um you know i'm of the reformed um bent and you know so i believe god is sovereign in salvation and yeah. so it is his job to save people he has his elect yeah. from the beginning of time and so if it's true you know jesus says in in john 6 uh, i think 37 that all that the father gives me will come to me and all that come to me will be saved okay so if we can rest on that knowing that god is going to save his people then the question doesn't become which culture is it easiest to uh evangelize in or which culture is yeah. You know, are people more likely to come, you know, to saving faith? Well, God's—it doesn't matter. God's going to save people in China. God's going to save His people in in Russia. He's going to save them in the Bible Belt. He's going to save them where, whatever culture you find yourself in. Our job is to preach the gospel. So yeah. at that point, if we can rest in the sovereignty of God, at the, we at that point we start asking, well, what's the best society for our neighbors? What? you know, is the best society, best culture that will, um, you know, produce the most good for our neighbors. If you want to grow in your confidence and knowing what you believe and why you believe it, if you want to ground your faith in biblical Christianity and step into who God has called you to be, I want to tell you about a great program put on by Impact 360, and it's called Propel. Propel is a one week transformational leadership and discipleship experience where high school students gather together to be grounded in a biblical worldview as they learn how to follow Jesus, have a godly influence, learn how to disciple their peers, and boldly live out their faith in their daily lives. So they're having two sessions this summer. The first one is June 19th through the 25th, and the second one is June 26th through July 2nd. These programs fill up really quickly, and I promise you, you will not be disappointed. So we'll put the link below if you're interested in looking into it. And we'll see you this summer.
0: No, that's a that's an important point, too, you know, and I think like, um, you know, interestingly enough, so I probably lean toward the 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 uh, chastened Molinist side, <laughs> kind of Armenian. Um, but I say chastened because I think I used to have a higher view of our ability to reason with people and then come to see the truth. And again, then COVID happened and 2020 happened. (laughs) And I'm like, man, you know, people, uh, there's a, there's a lot more going on to people's beliefs than, than just being able to have a, you know, rational discussion and and love them into the kingdom, even, and all this kind of stuff. I, I do think, um, it's interesting as I'm most of the guys that I listen to these days have been reformed guys. And to hear them talk about that and the means of grace and how God does use um, even for them. I think it was Andrew Sandlin I was listening to the other day and how, you know, he says typically God's for him as a, as a Calvinist, God's election runs through um through families that are saved and how cultural Christianity is a means that God will often use to bring about salvation. So, you know, from that perspective, it's, it's, that's, that's definitely an interesting conversation, but I think you're right. I I think that to get, to get caught up in that, um, that whole thing to that degree, I think would, would end up putting you in kind of an unbiblical place, no matter which perspective you come Mm -hmm. come from on that. And I, and I kind of land where you, where you're saying about that is like, man, you no, know, we, we, what are we called to do? Ultimately is the church. I think we're called to be salt and light and we're called to occupy till he comes. It's not just, you know, snatch, snatch a few brands from the fire, um, on, on the, or, you know, polish the brass on a sinking ship and that's the best we can do or whatever it might be. Um, so I think that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right with you on that. And I think that, one of the things that's been interesting to me to think about, I wonder what your thoughts are on this, but the, that the cultural Christianity actually can um, be a place where by and large, more people do actually come to saving faith. Like, I think you could argue that in the sense that um, you have Christian families that, yeah, you have people that walk away from that, but that does tend to be a, a better indicator of people that you do see actually come to what appears to be genuine faith more than people that come from families that don't. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, well, actually, um, you know, my wife uh, is not terribly active on Twitter, uh, but yeah. she's kind of like my sounding boy board. We get up um, early and we have these great conversations before the kids get up. <laughs> and uh, we were talking about cultural Christianity, um, I guess, a couple of weeks ago now. And she was, um, you know, I kind of, you know, think about it, you know, at the conceptual level up here and she's really good at kind of taking these ideas and applying it to life. And it, it dawned on her that like, my life is a product of Mm. cultural Christianity is her, her parents, um, had to get married. It was an unplanned pregnancy. And Mm. because of that pressure, (laughs) that cultural pressure, they got married instead of having an abortion and because of that cultural pressure they took her to church where she heard the gospel and where she you know attended awana and learned a lot you know of bible verses memorized bible verses uh, all the while her family you know, her um you know her parents were kind of um spiraling into dysfunction and so the yeah. church really became like a haven and that's where she she was saved and also saw examples of the way families should be and so Mm. because of cultural christianity she ends up in a church you know where she's saved and god kind of gives her this vision for changing her family tree and um and so that's been really cool to see so she wrote a thread about that on on twitter and Mm. um, a lot of people really resonated with that it got you know a lot of views and, and shares and I, I think that's you know that's just and, and so many people responded to that and were like yes this is my story thank you for articulating this and um i think that that god uses that um even with those you know nominal people in our churches that we're frustrated with well their kids mm-hmm. are there you know you, you have Damn them it. there <laughs> preach the gospel um you know it, it's it baffles me that we would complain about you know I, and i did this all the time complain about the people that just show up on christmas and easter they're gonna hear the gospel twice a year why are we upset about this yeah yeah that's great
0: yeah man no i think you're right and it, it I, a lot of this stuff is is sort of putting it in perspective for us which is again mind-boggling why it's not doing that for for others but you know um but yeah you, you know I think that's part of it for sure is, is maybe it actually does have a- – a- a positive effect on if, if, even if you're thinking like the the only goal is to, you know, rescue souls for heaven, I think you could make a good argument that cultural Christianity is a better way to do that than cultural paganism. Um but you also mentioned this that like man for love of neighbor, like do we actually think that God created the world and that he created it to function in a certain way that when we function according to that plan that it actually brings more blessing than harm? And is that a good thing? Like, I I think that's, that's another part that I don't know that we've either thought through or that we agree with that as Christians, that God's ways are actually good, even for an unbeliever. What are your thoughts Mm -hmm. on that?
1: Yeah. I I mean, you mentioned Christian families. We order, you know, when we have kids, you know, they don't come to us saved, you know, Mm. I don't want to get into infant, infant baptism <laughs> <laughs> discussion, but, you know, they don't come to us saved. We But we order our homes in such a way that they learn what God, you know, expects, you know, we, they learn God's law, they learn how to behave with the hopes that that will, that that, you know, presentation of the gospel, that um, living their life in the patterns of a Christian, will want, God will use that as the means. And to me, it's like a lot of the arguments against um, the Christian nationalism, I, I don't understand why we, that doesn't apply to larger groups. Like if that's how we order our homes, well, why couldn't we order our communities that way so that, you know, we're still promoting those same, um, those same morals and, the, and God's law is, you know, you know, instructive. It, it you know, um, you know, it can be a teacher, and so yeah, that's that's one of the things that kind of frustrates me in this discussion that we don't seem to kind of recognize um, the the translation from Christian family to Christian community. Like, why can't we do that? Because we we have a category for Christian schools, and that doesn't imply that everyone in the school is a believer, and, and that's one of the the. I guess the uh, critiques you hear often is like, well, we can't have a Christian nation because that would imply that everybody in the nation is a Christian. Well, then we better stop having Christian schools if we're going to use that logic, because we, you, if you've ever worked in a, a Christian school or attended a Christian school, you know everyone in that school is not a Christian. Um, but we still, it, it, it's not about you know a label applied to everyone in the school. It's saying this is how this school is going to operate. This school operates from a biblical worldview, according to a Christian moral stand, uh, you know framework. Right. I think we just need to apply that to you know government and to politics and to culture. That's the thing too. That so much of this you know can get lost in like what does the state do? Well, there's a lot of ways to have you know bring about a Christian culture that don't require the state to act. You know. Christians used to be known for the art we made, you know, we made and the, you know, the literature and, you know, there's ways to influence culture um, far beyond just the state. And so I think we need to have a comprehensive view of, you know, how we can shape the world that God's placed us in.
0: No, that's good. I think that's, that's right on. And you know, you, you, you often hear like, we catch them first, then we clean them. So we, if we don't want to do anything that gets in the way of catching them, you know, so to speak. And so, but I think your analogies with Christian school and a Christian family, it's like, if you took that with, with your kids, you know, you would never train them Uh according to good standards. You'd say, no, I'm just going to wait till they get saved. And then, (laughs) but we know that's, that's crazy. Um, Um, but it does throw us into often fighting with culture and that sometimes can feel counterproductive, you know, like how, how do you, um, I don't even know if I have a question for this formulated all the way, but knowing that it's going to upset people and maybe get in the way of presenting to them, at least the, at least the American version of Jesus where he'll fix your life and make everything better. (laughs) Um, but how, how do you in general recommend, like we approach some of these issues, like the transgenderism thing and the homosexuality issue and all that kind of stuff as it stands?
1: Yeah. You know, I think, um, we can tend to over emphasize evangelism, um, to the exclusion of, um, some other concerns, um, you know, I, I, the example I've, I've given before is we can become so concerned with reaching the homosexual community that we kind of turn a blind eye to, um, a lot of the kids that are being targeted by mm-hmm. that agenda. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to be able to, um, defend the defenseless the most vulnerable um while at the same time um you know opposing the agenda that's that's targeting them um and kind of being we just we need a lot of discernment to you know figure out the difference between you know a trans influencer who is you know really leading a lot of people astray and a confused, you know, trans person who shows up at your church, you know, you're going to have a different response to each one. And so this yeah. is, uh, this is such a different time. It, it's really unprecedented um, in our lifetimes, at least, you know, I know we can go back throughout history and find plenty of, of dark times. Um, yeah. But in our lifetimes, this is unprecedented. And and I think we're just going to have to have a ton of discernment to see, you know, when do we need to be opposing wickedness mm. and how do we, um, how do we make our evangelism fit within that? Cause I don't think it's a either, or it's gotta be a both.
0: Yeah, no, you're right on with that. And I, you know, I've quoted Michael Brown a few times on that, where he said, resist the agenda and reach out to the victims of the agenda. You know, that's, sometimes yeah, those victims great. are adults, sometimes they're kids, but you know, man, that that's tough. So, and we're kind of stepping, we're kind of moving there naturally. But this this connects to the Christian nationalist debate and use of power. Um, you know, we have to use kind of every means we have in this this battle against darkness. You know, we're trying to rescue individuals, we're trying to push back on the darkness, trying to impact the culture, but also we want our our laws to reflect good morality right at the end of the day and i think most would agree on that with that but i think you still have this kind of anti-christian nationalist push and this fear of power and and some on the surface it can be it can seem persuasive because you look at the ministry of jesus and the disciples and you're like man they you know it's easy to make a case from that that they were you know resisting power right and in at least political power mm. and then i saw a tweet today i'm sure you saw this but one of the anti kind of christian nationalist guys right now um on twitter in this debate was was comparing it to the ring of sauron you know the ring of power and lord of the rings and saying you know basically you know baromir wanted to use the ring he was like well, we'll use the ring for good and you know gandalf was like they all understood no this this ring can't be wielded for good um you have to destroy it and in other words kind of like you have to get rid of this um will to power that Mm -hmm. you can't use the left's game quote unquote will to power we have to die to power and let christ rule when he comes back and returns Is as i think roughly the idea um did you have any thoughts on that i don't know if you were i'm sure you've heard that general idea before but how do you how do you approach that topic of as christians should we exert power in the political sphere?
1: Yeah, I've seen that metaphor um, quite a bit. Um, you know, it, it's it's not a great metaphor um, because the ring of power was made by Sauron, mm. so it was it was made by the enemy, um, and so trying to use the enemy's weapon to um, achieve good ends is not, you know, is not the Christian way, but the state was, is a gift from God. God ordained the state to, you know, and gave it, you know, per, you know, very clear, um, charge. Uh, mm. you see this in Romans 13, you know, to restrain evil and to promote the good. Yeah. And so to just completely, you know, take our hands off, uh, the state, um, you know, I think it's, it's, you know, foolish to, um, kind of abandon a good gift uh, and just abandon it to the enemy like you know let them use it uh, because we don't want to we don't want to you know sully our hands with with uh, exerting power um, the um oh I had a thought there but um
0: yeah, yeah is it, your yeah. is your is your thinking about that for when you said that this just popped into my head but I honestly think that analogy could potentially even work better at at a a kind of a small level for the church growth movement, because, and and you see this in the example, I I can't remember the the pastor's name, Michael Todd or something Mm -hmm. like that. They they did that recent Easter service, but part of the pushback on what he did since in a sense was using sensuality Mm -hmm. in one of the particular skits, almost to like, almost to emphasize that like, and there was a pastor, he was wanting to grow weed. <laughs> I think it was in your neck of the woods in Atlanta and uh, teach young men, you know, how to grow this thing. And he thought that's a great way to reach, you know, do outreach. And, and you know, those there's all kind of funny examples and there's more serious examples. But those are, those are cases where we've in church tried to use carnality to do a kind of a bait and switch and, you know, we'll reach them with this and then we'll get them, you know, plugged into the spirit and he'll, he'll clean them up kind of deal. So I, I would say that, yeah, you're, you're right on with that. And interestingly enough, I think Joel Webin made that same point today. He said, what if, what if the ring was being used by Sauron, but it was made by God? He said, secularism did not make the state. God made it. It can never be unmade in this age. It can only be used. Christian nationalists merely want to use it rightly, and I think, um, in essence, that's the same thing you're saying. Is like, no, no, no. It's those hierarchies that God built. God built the state. Like that's His invention. Um, and what we want to do is is put it toward its right telos. It's right. You know, mm-hmm. use it how it's designed. Um, yeah. So I I think that that is a, that's an important point to be made but i do think a lot of christians are like tentative with that you know it's like man like to to how could i impose my beliefs on others Mm -hmm. is is often the thought
1: yeah and i think we we've bought into a lot of um the classic uh classical liberalism a lot of the ideas there that you know everyone should be completely free to make all the decisions as long as you're you're doing no harm then it should be legal it should be free it should be you know do whatever makes you happy and um, you know I think you know first of all that's a um, that's more of kind of a post war uh, liberal uh, understanding um, if you go back to our founding John Locke um, himself you know was in favor of outlawing atheism so you know, really, um, you go back to our founders, they start looking a lot more Christian nationalists than, uh, than a lot of our Christian, um, brothers are comfortable with right now. Um, and so, yeah, I think that a lot, so much of this conversation is kind of having to, uh, adjust to this new negative world we're in and kind of rethink a lot of the assumptions that we've been operating under for, you know our whole lives um and uh and that's i think we've got to have a lot of patience people no one had even heard the term christian nationalism you know it wasn't widely used before you know two three years ago so at this point you know let's, let's have a lot of grace on each other um let's be patient let's try and explain what we mean let's use clarity in our speech um you know, I think most of this division is, you know, good faithful brothers that I've benefited from a ton in the past and I expect to, uh, you know, going on. And so, you know, I just hope we can kind of get, um, you know, kind of tap the brakes on some of the you know nastiness on Twitter and really hear each other out, not try and like uh, knock down straw man arguments and let's, you know, actually you know, deal with the, the substance.
0: For sure. Yeah. Cause that's, I'm seeing a lot of that but more straw man than anything really on this, in this, I'm just lurking and, and watching. <laughs> I haven't entered the fray. <laughs> uh, Cause it's quite, it's quite a fray. Um But yeah. you know, as I'm watching, I'm like, man, you know, it's just, yeah. But, but I think you're, you're spot on with, with having to rethink. Cause you know, I've, I've been in many conversations with you know just kind of your average folks on the road traveling doing music and they're like well you can't legislate morality you know they were saying that like 15 years ago and even back then i was like well you can only legislate morality like it's a it's a moral framework but but i hadn't even thought about it that deeply i think in the ne- the the past 5 years people are starting to make those connections like oh all legislation is a moral framework and all mm-hmm. moral framework is grounded in a kind of theology even if it's an atheology and if it's an atheology that cr- sort of creates a vacuum for other pagan theologies to come in and eventually take over and so mm-hmm. um that's why we can't just kind of withdraw from that space um there has to be a positive vision for the state and um and, and, you know i think this is one of the one of the ideas that that i've seen in the back and forth but i think one of the things that's helped me is to to remember the great commission when jesus started off with you know all authority, authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, you know, baptizing the nations and teaching them to do all that I have commanded. I think that phrase often gets left out.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, and all that he's commanded includes a lot of a lot of things that God has said about the nature of persons, how grace, you know, restores nature, all these types of things. So I I, I, I do agree with you that I hope that cooler heads prevail. And I hope that these guys that are kind of creating these straw men versions of it come to see that there is no, there's a lot more to this, this thing than what, than what they might've initially thought and that we do need to have a unified kind of push, at least in a general direction um, together. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of, one of the the things that you mentioned earlier and that we both had Neil on the show talking about is this kind of like unseemly side in the tent of Christian nationalism with racism. Um, you've probably been in this stream, like studying this longer than I have. What, what is your take, um, on that whole subject? Do you think that, that there's a large part of under that tent that we should be scared of? Cause I think even people that, um, that I've been bringing this discussion to in our podcast, uh, they're like, yeah, I'm. I'm a little bit nervous about some of those folks, <laughs> and so they're they're hesitant to want to even step in under that tent as well. What's your thoughts yeah. on that?
1: So I think you have to understand um, a lot of what's happening on the right, as you know. I've talked about those presuppositions. I think a lot of people, not just Christians, are reexamining a lot of their priors. They are questioning liberalism. There's a lot of books that have been written on, you know, out of that kind of post-liberal thought, um, you know, uh, Patrick Deneen's book, Why Liberalism Failed, um, you know, uh, Rusty Reno's uh, Return of the Strong Gods, uh, Christopher Caldwell's uh, Age, of, Age of Entitlement, a lot of these ideas are. A lot of these books are really taking aim at a lot of um, those kind of post-war liberal consensus kind of America since the '60s. A lot of the you know ideology, the kind of you know neutral uh, framework, and um, and I think so. As people are questioning those things, uh, some people are getting carried away, <laughs> and questioning things. Um, whereas Christians, we have, you know, God's, um, you know, God's word as guardrails to, you know, evaluate ideas, uh, against there is an element on the right that is, you know, uh, delving in some, uh, darker, uh, ideology. And I, I don't think it is, um, I don't think, you know, we need to completely, uh, ignore it. Um, but I also don't think that it's as widespread as some would let, have you believe. I think, um, you know, I think, um, yeah, it, it it definitely needs to be condemned. Like, you know, guys like Andrew Tate, who are just like way out there, awful. No Christian needs to be following that guy. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of kind of, uh, nutpicking as well to try and, you know, tarnish, you know, good brothers that, um, are just thinking differently about politics. They're having different, you know, political, um, you know, they're exploring political theology and, and what it means, you know, to be, um, you know, what does ethnicity, ethnicity mean in scripture? And, you know, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable to talk about that stuff. Um, and i and I fully grant that there are people that have talked about it in really foolish ways that knowing how it sounds to most you know modern Christians with the upbringing we've had, I think there's a lot of you know kind of foolish approaches to some of these topics uh that are counterproductive um but yeah i'm I don't know that's kind of where I'm at on it,
0: yeah, no, that's fair, I think that's. That's the, that's kind of like the impression I get, you know, what you're saying there for sure. Um, Do you think, are you, are you hopeful in this next little bit? Do you, do you get the sense that um, there's going to be sort of like a, a rapprochement between these warring tribes that um, have ended on the, the right, like we've ended up together on the fault line between, you know, being woke and not woke, but now the not woke side is sort of having to, uh, an intramural, maybe more than a squabble. Um, do you, do you see this going in, in the positive direction or are you, how are you feeling about that?
1: I'm hopeful that will um, the net result of all this will be a more clearly articulated, um, understanding of what it is that we'd like to see in the, you know, political realm or the, the cultural realm. um, Yeah, because I think, you know, largely we all want this. We'd love to see the same things. You know, I don't think anybody on the other side is cheering on, you know, drag queen story hour. Um, You know, that's 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 not who we're dealing with here. And so I think, you know, if we can kind of, I don't know, better articulate it, hopefully we'll we'll kind of reach some sort of like, you know, minimal viable product that everybody can. kind of get behind uh and then you know if there's um because so much of the some of the christian national nationalist conversation is very theoretical you know if we're asking the question are revolutions ever justified well that's that's a conversation worth having let's let's look at the bible and see you know see what you know god's word says about that but that's not a you know, reality that is, you know, anything that is within the realm of possibility for, you know, right. 2023 <laughs> America. Right. So worrying about, you know, installing a Protestant Pope or a, you know, Christian yeah. Prince after a bloody revolution. Right. Uh, that's kind of an ap- academic uh, sure. debate. And, and I was going to ask
0: you about those academic debates, like, you know, because you also have like, everybody's kind sort of up in arms about enforcing the first table of the law, for instance. And and that's another one, I think you could probably put more in the theoretical debate side, that's not coming for a while. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, how do you, where are those conversations worth having? And, and if so, what, where do you place them in all this?
1: Yeah, I, I think they're worth having. I, I don't you know, I don't know that they're the the hills to die on because um, mm. my, my big concern is there's very real momentum in the country right now, um, yeah. kind of a backlash against especially the trans ideology. I, I think, right. you know, we still got some persuasion to do on pro-life um, anti-abortion stuff, but certainly uh, people are getting fed up with a lot of the woke stuff and you see guys like Chris uh Rufo and a lot of what DeSantis is doing really pushing back against that i would yeah. hate for christians not to be there on the front lines of those uh of those battles in those you know rooms where these policies are being hashed out because we're debating whether or not you know a christian prince you know is a good idea or not it's like okay <laughs> let's 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 table that and and focus on some real wins that we can get right now yeah
0: yeah so we can be involved and kind of sketching it out in the back in the in the back room but like when we come on stage together we (laughs) yeah yeah we need to we need to put on the game face and and get to it so um you know kind of last question here but what what do you um you know, if, if you got to step up on that stage and, and kind of charge just the church right now, the the American church, um, in in regard to this area of of stepping into, uh, recovering what we've kind of like just neglected and handed over really to the enemy in in the form of culture and in, in the form of um, civic engagement, what would you say?
1: Yeah, I would encourage the church um, that it's not it's not bad you're not bad to lament what we've lost you know I, a lot of christians um you know some christian leaders will kind of you know celebrate the decline of of cultural christianity um you know they'll kind of you know if you're concerned about culture they'll call you a culture warrior and you know you're just afraid you just don't want to be uncomfortable and jesus said we're gonna suffer you know I don't think those voices are helpful. I don't think that's true. I think it is, you know, it's, we are supposed to look out for our kids. You know, our kids are going to be growing up in this culture. It's not bad to want to hand them a culture that's better than, you know, what we have now. So we don't need to apologize for that. We need to um, really rediscover the will to um, to influence Culture. We don't need to assume the defensive, assume the, you know, minority position um just because things seem dark. You know, let's let's be bold. Let's tell people what we think. Um it gets easy to get sucked into these kind of spirals of silence where we we stay quiet, we don't say what we think, you know, we're trying to, you know, protect our witness so we don't venture into anything controversial. But if we have confidence that God is sovereign, he's you know, he's going before us, he's preparing the way, you know, he is the one that ultimately saves souls. We can go out with boldness um, and really try and, you know, just in the tiny sphere of influence that you have, you can begin to recover some of what we've lost just by being bold about your faith again, or, you know, sharing your opinion when difficult, you know, conversations come up. You know, and maybe some of you called to run for, you know, city council. And when they propose, you know, we're gonna celebrate Pride Month, stand up and say, no, we're not. You know, this is a Christian community. We're not gonna do that here. And and fight for, you know, those things. Don't just like assume, you know, oh, we gotta let them have have this. We've you know, we gotta take this, you know, submissive posture. No, we don't. You know, let's. Let's start to, you know, become comfortable uh, exerting, you know, that will for the good of our neighbors.
0: No, that's, that's, that's really good, man. I, I agree 100% with that charge and um, if I had to choose between, you know, a Calvinist, culture shaking and the evangelical fish squishy armenian you can hand <laughs> me the tulip and point me in the right direction <laughs> but no i appreciate that perspective so much man i think i think we have to we have to get on board right now and and do exactly that and i and i you know i'm saying that to myself because i've been trained in that I've, I've i'm like that's ingrained in me is like man don't be controversial like don't say anything that's going to push people away and so i'm not just telling that to our listeners but I'm I'm saying that to myself as well like we have to we have to be able to go out there and stand flat-footed and you know really proclaim the whole counsel of God and and let the chips fall where they fall
1: and what what you'll find is that there are more people that grew up in the Christian culture that were not Christians but they see what we've lost and I think we have this picture in our mind that everybody that's not a Christian is a radical right. leftist and they love all of this. That's not the case. Yep. You know, I think the more we can be bold, we can fight uh, these ideologies, we're going to have more opportunities to share the gospel. It's just, they're going to see, you know, what makes us different. Why are you willing to risk the cancellation? Why are you w- willing to risk um, you know, all, you know, the, the cultural cost of, you know, standing up against this stuff and it'll be up because it's the right thing to do. And, and I'm a Christian and this is what God has called us to do. And this is how we love our neighbors. Let me tell you about the gospel. You yeah, know, man. there's so many opportunities right now. And I think, you know, the church just needs to stand up and begin seizing them.
0: Uh, I think that's, that's dead on. I think that's dead on. And you know, I, I, again, another mindset that I have to fight. But be we think the more soft and effeminate and and kind of just this, we are, you know, will draw the people. But I think I think people are looking for people that are sacrificed, that'll stand in the gap, and and that's why they're running to you know, like you said, the uh, Tate and you know Joe Rogan and all these guys as they're they're seeing that to a degree. And so we, I think, as Christians, we're you know really missing a, a real opportunity to step in that place and be who really God called us to be. So. Well, thank you, man. Thanks for uh, spending this time with us. And uh, Best way that people can connect with your ministry?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I'm on Twitter, uh, at Josh Dawes, D-A-W-S. And then um, I host uh, the Great Awakening Podcast. Uh, You can find that on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Yep, and I've recommended that podcast before. It's great, and I definitely if you're if you're brave enough to get on Twitter, he's definitely a good guy to follow <laughs> on there. So do it. Um, well, thanks, Josh, and uh, yeah, man, blessings on on your ministry and continued endeavors, and hopefully we'll get to talk again in the future.
1: Thanks, Seth. Hey.